Hello, and welcome to another Banking Transform Solution podcast. I'm your host, Jim Roos, owner and CEO of the Digital Banking Report and co-publisher of the financial brand. The importance of a digital banking platform that is flexible, powerful, and affordable has never been more important. Banking organizations of all sizes are partnering with solution providers that can help them catch up in a marketplace that has never moved faster. Financial institutions must find solutions that are built for banking, can be deployed easily and quickly, and can be scaled in a manner that allows for building new products and services at digital speed. Our guest on the Banking Transform podcast today is Michael Coughlin, founder and CEO of BrightFi. We discuss how BrightFi partners with regional and community banks to deliver affordable, cloud-based technology-enabled financial solutions that can make a difference in this digital environment we're in. BrightFi, a subsidiary of Verdigree Holdings, provides a cloud-based technology solution that lets financial institutions and non-banks of all sizes test and launch digital banking products and services or entire digital brands at a fraction of the time and cost of normal solutions. Highly configurable and scalable, BrightFi provides a platform that can replace a legacy core or run in conjunction with an existing core. As I mentioned, today I have Michael Coughlin, founder and CEO of BrightFi, on the show. To start us off today, Michael, can you introduce yourself, give our, our listeners a bit of an overview of who you are, what you've done, and, and also an overview of BrightFi? Yeah, of course, um, Kim. Uh, great, great to be here, and, and hello to everyone listening. Uh, my background is, um, is a career of, of banking. I've been working in banking since I left uni 20-something years ago and uh, was fortunate to be involved in setting up uh, one of the early internet banks back in 1996, believe it or not. And uh, and that has stayed me in, in great stead as I've gone through my career in banking, often at the tip of the technology sphere. Um, and we set up, uh, I set up BrightFi as the next um, iteration of digital uh, technologies for, for banking. Well, you know, interesting, since the pandemic hit, most financial institutions have been playing kind of a game of catch up and crisis management as everything in banking went digital. And many organizations enabled the opportunity for customers to use their mobile device to open an account or get a loan, but really didn't do it in a digital way. Some of the processes in our research of the digital banking report showed that it took 12 to 15 minutes to implement something so what has the impact been on BrightFi as well as financial institutions in the marketplace since the pandemic hit and, and really in this second year of responding to the pandemic? Jim, I think uh, there's been a number of accelerations in the environment in banking over the period that we've that we've been in COVID. Um, you know, what, what I think everyone accepts is that the move to digital in every industry that is affected by COVID um, has accelerated, you know, tenfold. That we've seen um, the acceleration of the need for digital products across all industries during the period. And that, you know, we might say that banking has moved 
moved, you know, 10 years ahead of what it was going to to do in the two years that, that, that we've been sitting in COVID. I think we've seen organizations start to respond more in this second year than they did in the first year. I think in the first year, a lot of organizations were at a loss as to what to do and to, and to change their strategies. And what we are now seeing is the recognition that the smaller institutions in the U.S. must now embrace digital technologies much more fully if they are going to be able to continue to survive uh, in this, you know, in this COVID and post-COVID world. Well, you know, it's interesting because when you look at what's happened, you know, organizations really they they differentiate themselves core you know legacy financial institutions you know really took one path and and your digital uh, fintech firms really did another but when you're looking at organizations today they're looking to modernize their core or improve their digital offerings what are they looking for when when you're meeting with banks what what basically are they looking for today <laughs> Gosh, I, I think the ones who know what they're looking for are looking for digital platforms, which is what their customers are demanding. They are looking for the ability to provide digital solutions. So, you know, digital banking, that's the products, it's the functionality, it's the it's it's the it's the tech and operations. And they know that they have to be able to provide it to their customers because their customers are getting amazing service outside of banking in relation to their everyday needs. And they get that through the digital platforms that that, that we use, you know, in our daily lives. And banking is not sufficiently caught up with the rest of the, the rest of the world, with the other industries in that regard. And so the 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 businesses who know what the they are looking for are asking for digitization of all of that functionality for banking. Unfortunately, not all of them know what they're looking for. Yeah, that that's a really good question. So when you initially get in contact with a financial institution, do you find them sometimes kind of picking your brain as to, okay, we know what we want to achieve, but we really don't know the path to go. Do you help them structure that path and say, okay, let's figure out where you are today. Let's figure out what you want to become and let's find the best way within your budget to get there. Is that, is that, I mean, a lot of organizations maybe don't have a complete clear view of where they want to end up. Yeah, that's, that, that, that's precisely the case. Um, and, and even more so, Jim, they don't really know what it's going to cost or how long it's going to take either. Um, you know, they have a notion, they have an idea, they have a desire to be able to digitize their business, not necessarily knowing exactly what that's going to mean. Of course, there are, you know, very smart, very capable technology and, and business leaders in, you know, in many institutions across the country. But that doesn't mean that they understand this element of technology that's that, that's necessary for successful digitization. And so we do work with them to move them through that process. And, and as you outline, it's about saying, well, you know, what have you got? How do we fit around that? How do we make sure that we are um, sensitive to the existing business? Because it's not the case where you can just go in and pull everything out and and 
and start again. That's that's not how how banks work. Um, and so we've got to be very sensible in the approach that we take and collaborative with the clients. Um, and and that's just good business sense from our perspective, of course, as well. You know that, that that's a better approach than saying to somebody, you know, oh my gosh, you know, your systems are terrible, and you know, and and you must do this thing, right? It, 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 you, you've got to be much more practical and pragmatic than than that. You know, interesting in researching BrightFi, your organization started off as a neobank going directly to underbank consumers. Now you're op- offering a platform for banks and credit unions. What changed? What changed your business model overall? Uh, the realization, Jim, that, that um, what we had created for ourselves, which is, you know, a, a fully digitized, um, you know, virtualized technology platform and operations support for banking was something that other banks need as well. And and, and so it's, you know, it, it became immediately obvious to us in, a, in the early days that the very solution that we were putting together to be able to provide services to uh, the unbanked and underbanked communities, which is what we set out to, to serve, um, uh, it was also going to be the same technology and operations that could support the wider public that is already um, is already receiving great service from community banks and credit unions and regionals who just do not have the technology to be able to compete against the major fintechs and and major national banks. And and by offering the service that we do, we allow them to compete and to be able to use the best technologies for their clients too. So it's interesting, you know, you talked about the the way you start off as a neobank, you know, and one of the reasons why a lot of the neobanks are in existence, they they say they're reaching out to the unbanked and underbanked, but a lot of that, that has to do with the fact that that it, that whole segment has been underserved by traditional banks that have a much higher cost structure. Yes. You know, the lower cost structure of a digital bank makes it so that you can reach a niche that wasn't reachable before. And even more than just the cost of serving, it's the data collected and the ability to use that data to build better products, isn't it? Yeah, look, the, 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 for sure, data is an important element of every transaction that the, that occurs in banking, and, uh, and it always has. The power now, though, is to be able to take all of that information and use it to identify whether that's next best product or a risk level that relates to a specific um, credit uh, product, all of those things become information that yes, we can use to be able to provide better service to to the customer and to the clients, and to do it at the time that they need that product. Um, so yeah, data is an is an important element of it, but it's not the be all and end all. The as you say, the operational costs, the 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 fundamental cost to serve is uh, an important element in in how we are able to provide services to even the unbanked and underbanked, the people that generally generate the lowest revenue for the banks and therefore are not targeted by by, by most banks. Um, and, and our premise was always, well, if we can provide a profitable service to that group and treat them properly as our customers, then every other group becomes even more profitable. And, and so being able to use that 
same platform for other customer groups then generates a, a cost save for the institution that can translate into greater revenues for them and and also then to maintain the appropriate risk profiles and all of those important things too. So it's interesting, you know, we, we you've mentioned the smaller community banks and credit unions, which is really pretty much, as I understand it, the the primary target market of BrightFi is your partnering uh, uh, with organizations. But it's interesting because our research shows that the best right now at the digital transformation journey have been the biggest banks because they have the, the dollars to do so. And actually the smallest banks, because they don't have the legacy leadership that holds on to the past so strongly that makes it so that that move forward in an innovation and a digitalization format is so difficult. So what advantages do you see? I mean, you, you obviously are picking community banks and credit unions as your target customer base. What advantages do you see within those organizations and how they serve their communities, but also their willingness to open their minds towards digital transformation as you provide it. To some degree, Jim, I think that there's a there's a, a sense of necessity about that digitization journey. Um, so you know that they are they they are a group that is very open to um, the conversations that we and others have with them about digitizing their business. They're they're very open to it because they recognise that it's a journey that they must take. Um, you know, there's a, a, a survey that, that that related to the confidence that uh, smaller banks, community banks and credit unions have in the relationships that they have with their customers. Their customers say, we love the fact that um, community banks and credit unions understand our business. They understand our cash flow. They create the appropriate products. They have good relationships with us. I know that I can go to them and have a proper conversation with them about my business or my needs or my particular experience or problems right and 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 they you know and and they will respond humanly to those problems but the reality is also that if they don't have the digital capabilities to serve those customers as well as the relationships, then they are not going to be able to survive because that's where the major banks, you know, Bank of America spent $12 billion last year on technology and digitization. And so, and, you know, and they're getting really bloody good at it. And on, unless the community banks and credit unions can use technologies like ours to level that playing field, then they will continue to lose customers, particularly younger customers, um, you know, which are the future lifeblood of all right. of those organizations to the major national banks and to the standalone fintechs as well. And, and, and so the conversations that we have with them are often, um, you know, very positive in relation to exactly, as you said, the innovation that they want to embrace, but we have to show them and, and bring them on a path to be able to do that effectively. Obviously, there's a, a significant cost to implement digital. Um, you might be able to modernize and reduce costs, but the implementation hill is significant to climb with regard to a, a core transformation. How do you address that challenge at BrightFi as you partner with the banks and credit unions you're working with? Because obviously they don't have the staff, they don't have the team, they certainly don't have the dollars to implement at such a broad way that a, a, a large bank can. But this is all scalable, isn't it? How do, you, how do you work with your clients right now in not only dealing with the cost to implement, 
but more importantly, the time and effort that's that's pretty significant as well. Yeah, well, well we, the answer is we do it very carefully. Um, you know, we've been, we have created from the, from the very start, we created something that we knew would have to be implemented um, into organizations that would rely more on us and our skills and our capabilities to be able to fulfill that implementation. Um, the, you know, my experience in major banks is that it would take many years and, you know, and tens, if not hundreds of millions of dollars to do anything like a core banking transformation, um, you know, and it is the stuff of nightmares for, you know, CIOs and uh, and executives in, in every organization. What we have done is to set out a, a platform that we can introduce alongside or indeed swap over a core banking system, but we can implement it alongside in as little as 90 days and for as little as a couple of hundred thousand dollars. So it is a consequential change from implementing the old legacy systems of, you know, the last 20 years um, because it is a virtualized, digitized system and it's configurable and it's got all of those great, you know, all the buzzwords are all in there. Um, but the important outcome is that it's a, it, it's an, it's a relatively, in inverted commas, easy thing to implement um, and that there's a there's a path that we can bring our clients, you know, through quickly and and as to the extent that it's possible, painlessly. So this is interesting. So what you're saying is, when you're partnering with the financial institutions, you really address the three major challenges that are that our research found that financial institutions have with digital core transformation. Number one, cost. You you have a way to to drill this down and. Obviously, between the cost of what they're doing now and the cost what they're going to be doing going forward, there's savings involved. Secondly, speed of implementation. I mean, you mentioned that this can be done extraordinarily fast from a concept yeah. of when things are being done. And, and this, if you listen to the podcast, we talk over and over again about the speed of digital is so fast that if we don't catch up and go ahead in the speed category, if we don't do things that aren't annual plans, but quarterly plans or monthly plans, we're not going to succeed. And the third thing you mentioned is configurable in that you don't have to jump all in. You can you can do a section, you can do a, a department, you can do a line of business, you can do certain areas, which makes it so that this whole thing is is can be absorbed in a in a in a fairly easy way compared to what we mentally put on place. And, and if I'm not mistaken, BrightFi is cloud-based. So even the security issues are being addressed because obviously we have found, well, while a lot of this hesitation around using the cloud was security, actually the cloud is a much more secure environment than most of our legacy platforms, legacy core systems. So really, you've really addressed all those issues, haven't you? Yeah, we, we we really have. We've embraced the the virtualization wholeheartedly because it creates an environment or has has now created an environment, a platform that allows us to achieve all of those things. And importantly, to do it in a way that doesn't sacrifice the um, or doesn't create additional risk and doesn't sacrifice the the service to the customer, in fact, enhances it. So the customer is getting all of those things securely to their phone or to their laptop or to the, whatever device they're using for banking. And they're then able to quickly um, transact using, using that platform. 
Now, this is interesting. You know, you, we we talk often on this on this podcast and in my articles about the need for speed, about the need to to become digital, to to really work on the back office and and make that so that not only is the platform modernized, but your processes are modernized. This seems to be the solution that everybody's looking for, but obviously not everybody's signing up, standing in line to sign up or or anything of that nature. When you're working with financial institutions and you get to that first meeting and you sit down with them, what holds a lot of organizations back from actually implementing your solution, which which seems to answer most of the major issues that organizations bring up in their in their challenges section, what holds them back from becoming more digitally mature and using a, pro- a process like yours? Kim, that's a great question, and, and I'm not sure that there is a there's one single answer to that because every organization is necessarily different. They have different calls on, um, you know, the the funds that they have available for investing. You know, smaller institutions don't have you know, billions of dollars, you know, mm-hmm. they many of them don't have millions of dollars to be able to spend on um, on different projects. And therefore, they have to then be, they have to be very sensible and careful about where they direct the funds that they have available. And so funding is always going to be um, a, a conversation point right from the start. And so we're very um, transparent about the the cost model that that we've pursued because we know that it is consequentially cheaper than um, they will have had experience with with the legacy systems. And so, you know, so costing is for sure always one of the things that come up. Um, the, 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 the reluctance to um, to to mess around with existing systems is always something that comes up. You know, if if it's not broken, don't fix it. Um, I think as a as an objection comes up time and again. However, that generally is a, a, a an obstacle that has already been resolved in the minds of the executives at the majority of institutions, because they recognize, as uh, as we've just said, they recognize that if they don't embrace this set of technology changes, that if they don't make their business digital, you know, digitally capable, if they don't virtualize and provide a basis for future changes and whatever is coming down the path, you know, in six months and 12 months and, and and five years time then they will not survive um in the in the current market environment which is one that is defined by digitization it's the the the, the successful businesses that we all see now are ones particularly in the service and, and banking space are ones that have high digital functionality but that is not going to change i'm a financialist i'm a community banker a credit union and I want to move forward, but it takes more than technology. It takes more than simply, you know, a plug and play or working on a core technology that's going to run parallel to what I currently have. Our, our research shows that it, it takes looking at your back office because di- simply digitizing what you've done in the past isn't going to give you the benefits that that technology will bring. So you really have to work at reconfiguring and rethinking your back office in addition you need to implement and use data and analytics more proficiently in order to know what you have to do next. How does your organization work with clients, even though it's not your your necessarily 
you know, your 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 column and your your silo to work on. How do you work with the organizations to fix the other things around the technology that to allow it to get the the highest level of efficiency and effectiveness? Yeah, it, uh, you're 110 percent right. You know, the, the the you know digitizing the old process, um, you know, the old broken process is not going to solve the problem. Um, the the there was a, a a study that I saw a few months ago that said that you know the the you know something like 90 percent of transactions are now initiated digitally, but of those. More than fifty percent then have um, are passed to a manual process for completion, and so you know all you're doing there is you know putting a digital front end on an old broken um, on an old back broken back end, um, and the opportunity really is to be able to have that end to end digitization. That's really where the where the opportunity lies. Yes, the first step is the front end digitization. No problem. They they need to take that first step, but really it is about then taking the second step as well. Because we actually operate our own bank for unbanked and underbanked, then we're able to show, well, here's what the operations can look like as well and and direct the clients around using more efficient operations to have that full end-to-end process rather than just the just the front end. So I would imagine that one of the benefits you bring to the table is that, that since you work with financial institutions overwhelmingly and the size of organizations that you're targeting are the size of organizations you already have, you can also connect the dots and say, here's how other clients that we've worked with have solved this problem. You, you know, it's again, one of the benefits of, of having a highly focused uh, target audience is that you, you can certainly, if not helping them directly, you can point them in the directions of what other organizations ha- who they've used to help solve these issues or other financial institutions that have already addressed these issues. So you really, you're, you're, you, you provide that guidance in such a way because you've already gone down these paths. You know the challenges organizations have. You know what's going to mess up the the efficiency and effectiveness of your platform. And you, and you can connect with organizations that have already solved it, can't you? Uh, yeah, that, that absolutely is the case. And I'd add to that as well. Um, we can also bring in learning and have brought in learning from other industries too. So, uh, you know, the gambling and gaming industry is further ahead than banking in, you know, in um, remote um, identity verification. They've just been doing it for longer. They are better at it. They've got more skills. And we looked to them to when we were building our elements for um, customer remote customer onboarding. You know, how do we make sure that that is the most secure and accurate mechanism for us to be able to identify an account opener? Um, uh, the same in the medical industry is further ahead in, um, you know, data, secure data, um, access retrieval and sharing across their their infrastructure. And so we looked to the medical industry to take examples and, and learn from that industry so that we can make the best available for our own platform. You know, let's look two years out. I used to say five to 10 years out, but we know that time frame, everything can change by then. But let's look two to five years out. How do you see community banks and credit unions 
competing against not just the big, the bigger banks, but also against the neobanks that have been eaten away at the size quite a bit. Do you think these organizations can actually do the digital transformation that's necessary to not just survive and keep up, but to actually maybe get ahead of the game and, and succeed? Yeah, I do. I, I think that, that um, you know, two to five years, we will have a thriving um, community bank and credit union uh, in, environment. I think that th- that the group has a superpower in the relationships that they have with their customers. It, 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 they are they are by far better than the major banks and better than the fintechs at maintaining those relationships, at understanding their customers and engaging in their communities, in owning that relationship. The thing that they now have to do is to get the infrastructure. Like I'd, I'd love to say that you know our digital platform is the thing that will make the difference for them. That's not true. Their continuing um, relationship with their customers will be the difference. It will continue to be their superpower. But unless they get the technologies, unless they digitize, they won't have the chance to use that superpower or continue to use that superpower. So, so yes, I think that that it will be a thriving um, community in two years' time. But it depends on them doing this, this digitize, taking this digitization journey. I, I agree totally. I, I think the the span between those that thrive and those that don't any longer exist is yeah. going to be become clear to us because I think that the, the we've made the journey easier than it's ever been. It's less costly. It's faster. Organizations have to make the decision though. At the end of the day, yeah. you know, and, and we've interviewed a lot of fintech firms and a lot of really innovative financial institutions. It gets back to legacy leadership. Is a leadership willing to embrace the change that's required, it, willing to, to take on the risk that's still going to be in there? I mean, you can't, you can't do all this without some risk being accepted. And are you going to do it at speed? Um, that, that is so key. And leadership is going to drive it. And I think we're going to see the, the, we're going to see a lot of great success stories. I think we're also going to see, organizations combining. I think we're going to see more fintech firms and financial institutions, traditional financial institutions combining to make more digitally oriented traditional financial institutions. Um, Finally, what key piece of advice would you give to financial institutions who are evaluating currently cloud native digital and core banking platforms? What, What would you tell them, number one, what key advice would you do and what should they do first? Look, my advice, I think, comes back to precisely what you just said, Jim, the, the, uh, that the only real competitive advantage that I think is left in businesses generally is the ability and the desire to change because the market is changing at such an accelerated rate that organizations must embrace change positively. And that that would be my advice is you know, accept that you're going to have to change and then pursue that change. 
do it in the you know do it in whatever whatever style and mechanism suits your business of course you know take the time do the reading do the you know ask the questions but then make the change there it, there is no doubt in in my mind you know like you I share the view that there are going to be survivors who will thrive and there will be organizations who do not make this digital change and they will not survive it they they just it will not be enough just to have relationships with customers you must also serve those customers with the products that they want in the manner that they want and that's digitization like it or not well it's interesting because at the end of the day it is going to be those organizations that are willing to make those changes and i i of the personal belief that the the mid-size the second tier not the third tier but the second tier the the regional banks are are probably going to be challenged more than anybody because they don't have the money to compete directly with the biggest banks and they have legacy leadership that's been in place for 30 years that is less likely to change because financially they're doing very well you know if there's no pain there's no movement and i think you know again the, the smaller community banks and the credit unions really have an advantage in this because they understand what's going on in the street and and they're usually more the innovative spirits out there the challenger mindsets that we talk about so um michael thank you so much for being on the show today um if somebody's trying to get a hold of you and find out more about brightfi how do they do so website of course uh, you know bright brightfyservices.com you know google search will certainly get to us and and ultimately to me great thank you so much for being on the show pleasure thanks for having me jim thanks for listening to banking transform solutions a new banking podcast that focuses on innovative solutions for financial institutions we would like to thank brightfy the sponsor of today's show if your solution provider wants to discuss how you can help bankers and credit unions solve the major marketplace challenge, drop me an email. We're keen to help. This has been a production of Evergreen Podcast. A special thank you to our producer, Leah Longbreak, audio engineer, Sean Rule Hoffman, and video producer, Will Pritz. I'm your host, Jim Maroos. Until next time, remember, the ability to deploy innovative solutions at digital speed usually involves a trusted partner. The Jim Stroud Podcast explores the discoveries and trends forming the future of our lives. Brain-to-brain communication, robot bosses, microchip implants for workers, and artificial intelligence replacing human workers are all happening now. If you want to know what's happening next, subscribe now to the Jim Stroud Podcast.